Thanks, goodness. Just before uh, you see it, well, if you're seated, keep seated. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We, we pray, Lord, today that in this hour and a bit together that you would do something fresh in our hearts. We ask you, Father God, for uh, an encounter with your presence. So, Father, open our hearts today. Lord, clear our minds. And we just pray, God, for you to touch us afresh. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Okay, well, great to see you in church today and also welcome to you online. And uh, we're going to continue with our theme, uh, which is assignment. Uh, And so my title this morning is Assignment to Discipleship. So I'm going to just summarize the message so you can begin to prepare your heart and your mind for when we come to the conclusion of of my message this morning. So I'm going to just define for you what our assignment is, uh, Jesus' assignment to us as as the people of God. I'm going to talk about one or two things that can be a hindrance to the assignment, and then I'm going to give you the solution to the assignment. And at that moment, when I talk about the solution to the the assignment for us, I'm going to ask for an appeal of response for us to, to seek God and for ministry, for God to touch our lives. So wherever you are in the balconies or at home, uh, this can be made accessible because the Holy Spirit is not limited to a room. Say amen. Uh, so, but there will be a response for those in the house today, uh, and God will speak to you in, in that way. So that's, I want to prepare you for that landing when I come into land. That's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to have a time of ministry, and we're going to see God do some great things in our lives. And so Matthew 28 is the assignment for the church. And so some of you may know this already, so let me remind you for them and those that you don't or are new to church, I want to just tell you what the assignment is for every believer in every church that exists. Matthew 28, 18 said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. As surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is really clear for us as a church and for individuals if you are committed to Jesus, this is your assignment, this is our assignment, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And so there's been many people even up to now trying to define what it is that a disciple is and how we make disciples. It's a big subject, um, but the truth of the matter is the bottom line is Jesus tells us that we must go make disciples. And so what does that look like? For us as a church, what does that mean to us as individuals? As I was looking through the scriptures in Matthew 23, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. And I have a thought about the distinction that there are crowds and there are disciples. But Jesus spoke to both. He spoke to the crowds and he spoke to the disciples. 
And so I want to say to you this morning that there is a difference between the crowd and the disciples. And the major difference is that Jesus started off going to the crowds. And from the crowds, he called people to become disciples who would turn their life around to begin to serve the crowds. That's the main difference. And so we need to understand that, that in this building today and online today, in our life today, there are two distincts. There are the crowds and there are those that are disciples. And so I want to encourage you today that as long as the crowds exist, our assignment exists. Because I want to say to you today, on online, you're sitting here and you are either a disciple or you're a part of the crowd. You are online today, you are a disciple or you're part of the crowd. Your crowd also goes beyond this church and beyond online because when you go to your house, your family members who don't know Jesus, that's the crowd. When you go to your work on Monday morning, there is a crowd that there that you've been given a mission to be a disciple to help make disciples in that environment. And then we are called to the crowd of the world, the whole world, to every nation to go make disciples. So I want to encourage you today that God wants to move you from the crowd to become a follower, committed follower, to be a part of the disciple. And so that is what my aim is today, to challenge you, to provoke you, and ask God to do something in your heart that you would take a step away from the crowd that's hindering your life or the crowd of comfort to commit your life to be a disciple who beginning to minister to the crowds and to obey Jesus 100%. As you look through the Gospels, there, is, there are many crowds that Jesus ministers to. There are crowds who were opposed to him and his teaching. So if you want to be a disciple, don't think that everybody's going to give you an applaud of talking about Jesus. They tried to kill him and eventually did. And many times the religious leaders ganged up against him, lied against him, and eventually, uh, you know, gave their voices to allow him to get crucified. And so there will be always crowds that's against the Christian, those that are totally wanting to be sold out for God and to, to share their faith and live the life that Jesus called us to live. That is totally opposite to our culture right now in our world. And the world will fight against the way that we want to live and begin to proclaim the way that others should live. There's also crowds in the New Testament that was on a journey of discovering who Jesus was. Even religious leaders like Nicodemus begin to seek him at night and ask him questions about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him that you're a good man, but you're not far from the kingdom. You're a religious leader, but you're not far from the kingdom. And his heart was trying to discover who Jesus was. And in our crowds, in our churches and beyond, in, in our families, the people are wanting to discover who Jesus is. And we need wisdom and we need compassion to help them to connect to Jesus. And then there are the crowds who accept Jesus in their life and they know they're going to heaven and they're happy with that. They conclude now, they've said yes to Jesus. They know they're going to go to heaven and they just say, cool, I'm going to live the rest of my life for me, knowing I've got a ticket to heaven. That's another crowd. And you know, you can do that as a Christian, but it's not exactly what God wants you to do. And then there are those who are, who are were disciples, those who were fully committed to Jesus, on fire for God, but because of life, 
experience or church experience, they've lost their love for their first love. They've lost the, 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 the passion to give their lives totally in service to Jesus and then either you leave church or you, you, you border on the crowd of listening in and thinking I'm not going to commit myself like that anymore because of the hurt or the experience of, or, the, or the circumstances that didn't turn out that way. But there was one time in your life that you were so passionate about God that you were not ashamed of the gospel and you totally decided to give and follow him with all of your heart. But now you are half-hearted now that you've sort of lost your first love and God wants to recall you back into out of the crowd of complacency out of the crowd of your comfort to be a fully committed follower of Jesus so you can be a minister again to the crowds that God has placed around your life Greg Laurie an evangelist says every disciple is a believer born every believer is necessarily a disciple. Anything short of discipleship, however, is settling for less than what God really desires for you. And he lists a few things to help make a distinction between the believer or the crowd to a disciple. Let me read a couple to you as we continue today. He says this, the believer looks to the cross, but the disciple takes up his cross. The believer obeys God when it's convenient. A disciple obeys God regardless of the outcome. The believer focuses on eternal life, getting to heaven. A disciple focuses on eternal rewards, bringing heaven to earth. A believer prays when things get tough. A disciple prays regardless of the circumstances. A believer sees church as a service to attend. A disciple sees himself as the church. A believer makes heaven. A disciple makes history. What crowd, what part are you in today? Some of you are sat in church today. Some of you are online. And knowing that you just attend and you're a part of the crowd, I want to say to you, it won't be for long before you backslide because God never made you to sit. He called you to serve. And to be a follower. And your life will get so boring as a Christian if you just come and sit and be half-hearted following Jesus. Because there's more to life than you just singing a few songs, coming to church and going home. God has an assignment on your life to make a difference. To go into all the world, your world, and to make a difference to the people in your life. So how can we achieve this assignment. What is the hallmarks of how we can achieve the assignment of becoming a disciple? And I want to say to you, it's not easy. There has to be discipline. There has to be encouragement from others. But you have to make a decision whether you're going to be all in or you're going to be half-hearted. Choose this day who you will serve. And I want to encourage you today that your best life cannot be lived half-hearted following Jesus. Your best life in the kingdom only can be sold out for him, putting everything on the altar as we, we were, were singing today and we had that surrender posture of on our knees, not only God fighting our battles, but a surrender in our life that whatever he says to us, we'll say, yes, Lord. Whatever you ask of me, I will follow. That is the disciple. And God is calling his church to discipleship. 
People will come from the stands and get on the pitch and play in the game. Come on, say amen with me. You know, aren't you tired of being a spectator? God wants you to be a participator because he's put gifts and abilities in your heart that has to come out so you can touch other people that God has made you to touch in your life. And you can't do it being half-hearted. You can't do it just being on the sidelines telling everybody how church should run. You've got to be in the game. You've got to be sleeves rolled up. You've got to be focused and saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, here I am, only available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. And that's what God is looking for in these last days. He's looking for a church that will stand up and say, come on, God, bring it on. Whatever it is that you want us to do, we will follow. No matter what comes against us, we're going to proclaim your name. We're going to see Jesus lifted high. We're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see blind eyes see. We're going to see deaf ears hear. We're going to see your miracles manifest through our lives and people coming to know Jesus. If we live for anything less then we might as well all go home and find something else to do today. Not many of you are saying amen. amen. Why? Because God wants to rattle you. God wants to shake you out of your comfort, out of your complacency, living life just for you. So God can just get you out of trouble so you can just live a happy life. God didn't get you out of trouble just for your happy life. He gets you out of trouble so you can help somebody else in trouble. God wants to stir you up. God wants to provoke you. God wants to kick you out of your nest of comfort so you can be on fire for God and he can invest his power and his gifts in you so you can make a difference for him. I hope today that something has happened in your heart. You know, if your heart is not being moved, that's not being stirred, if you're not getting angry, something's wrong. I don't care what emotion I get out of you as long as you are willing to get out of the crowd. I don't care what it takes because God's got an assignment on your life and you have to begin to say, this is the main priority of my life. It's not building a kingdom for yourself, even though God wants you to succeed. It's saying, God, what do you want me to do for you in my life? Whether it's in the business world, whether it's in whatever world God's placed you, God's put you there to be a witness and to be an ambassador and a disciple for Jesus. That is your main priority. And if that doesn't shake you, one day you're going to stand before God and you won't be judged for your sin if you're a Christian, but you'll be given account of what you've done with the investment that God's put in your life. And that, for me, is something that drives me, not out of fear, but one day I'm going to stand before God and He's going to ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you bury your talents? Did you just put them in the ground and make excuses? Or did you invest what I put in your life so I can hand you more so you can build my kingdom and touch people's lives? God wants to use you, but the thing that we need to know is the first thing that our mission is, our assignment is, number one, is to know Jesus better. Know Jesus better. Ephesians 1, I keep asking the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You cannot be effective in the kingdom without knowing Jesus more. Amen. The first command is to love him with all of your heart and all your mind and that's the great command and the great command is first before the great commission because when you love God, his love will touch you so you can love others better. 
You can't bypass Jesus. I think you can do it. You've got to get in love with Jesus because when you get in love with Jesus, everybody else is easier to love. Come on, say amen. And the reason why you find it hard to love others is because you've lost your love for Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. Not the love for Christ, but the love of Christ. His love for me overwhelms me that I can't help but pass that on. And so your main goal as well as to a disciple is to know Jesus, to know him more. John tells us that now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that you, I may know you. Some of you in this room and online, you believe in him, but you don't know him. You've never encountered God. There is a difference between knowing about somebody, intellectual, I know some people that can know the Bible more than me, but do you know something? They do not know the author. There is a big difference. There is a big difference in knowing the Bible and knowing the author. And some of you need an encounter with God. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to take it from your head into your heart, and then it will easily come from your feet to be a follower of Jesus. You need an encounter with Jesus. He said he came to them, and then he commissioned them. You need God encounter. That's what, you don't need more Bible. You don't need no more knowledge. You need to know him because knowing him is the main thing of reading the Bible. Come on. The religious leaders knew their Old Testament, but they didn't know Jesus. He said, how can you read the scriptures, but you don't know nothing about me? There is no power coming from you, but you're religious and you know the Old Testament and you can revise it all but you don't know me and you're not willing to let me into your life. That's astounding, isn't it, church? Do you know him this morning? Have you had an encounter with God? Has the Holy Spirit touched your heart and melted your hardness and your religion and your control and your piety? When the Holy Spirit comes, he makes a massive difference. In fact, without the Holy Spirit, you can't know Jesus. You can't even know the mind of God without the Spirit of God. So stop trying. It's the Holy Spirit that leads into all truth. Jesus said he will take from what is mine and he'll make it known unto you. Some of you are really good at coming to church, but what you really need is that you need to come to Jesus. And you need an encounter with God and then church becomes more pleasant because it's not the only thing. Some of you ticks a religious box and you feel better because you've made it on Sunday. But the thing is that you have to get in touch with Jesus. His presence has to get inside of you. And when you come to worship, there's a different experience that you go out knowing you've touched God or he has touched you. And so our goal is to know him. The Apostle Paul says, I consider everything but loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It was a personal God. It wasn't somebody else's experience. It wasn't somebody else's God. It was my Lord, my encounter. And he said, I count everything but loss that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Is that important to you? Not that you get known, but that you know him. <laughs> that we know him. That's priority. Because out of that comes ministry. Out of that comes everything else.
that I may know him, that I may gain Christ. I consider everything garbage. The second thing is, first thing is, if we're going to be disciples, we've got to know Jesus. You know, in the, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, the religious leaders noticed that the, the disciples and they said, these were unschooled men, but somehow it says they've been with Jesus. Thank God for education. Thank God for everything else that goes with it. But without, if you're not going to be with Jesus, forget it. It's the presence of God that makes the difference. It's his power and his presence working through you that will make the difference in our lives. And I believe sometimes we just work on our own steam, on our own effort, leaning to our own abilities, our own, our own wisdom. But we need his wisdom, his power, and his love. Secondly, a disciple is, he says, you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. and know that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Number one, he prays that you will know him better. Number two, that he'll pray that you know the hope that he's called you. What's he called you to? What's the mandate on your life? Well, I'm telling you what it is. It's to be a disciple. Wherever you are, in your work, in your home, in your church, to be a follower, 100 committed to Jesus, whatever the cost, to lay down your life. How does that manifest itself? Number one, in developing Christ in you. So the first assignment that God has for us is to know Jesus, but to know what he's called us to do, and that is that, that is Christ is developed inside of us. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, My dear children, from whom I gain the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. And so to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is not just doing outward religious acts. It's a transformation of God's power from within you. That your life begins to look more like Jesus in your attitude, in your lifestyle. Something has to change from the inside out. God didn't come to change your shirt. He came to change your heart. That Christ is formed in you by his Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Is that manifesting in your life? Is that coming out of you? I know it takes time because gifts are given, but fruit is grown. The fruit of the Spirit takes time in our lives. But there's got to be something of Jesus in you if you're giving your life to him. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, then something of him has to come out of you and change your heart, your mind, your mouth. And the way we live, Christ has to be formed in us. That is the first goal that developed, Christ has developed in us. Ephesians says that you were taught with regard to the form way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupt by deceitful desires and be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be becoming more righteous and holy that's not weird. That's not religious. There should be more things that you're doing right than wrong. You should no longer be stealing. You should no longer be lying. You should no longer be committing sexual immorality. Something has to change with our lifestyles if we're going to be a great witness for Jesus. 
And sometimes the church, not this one, some churches are no different to the world. If you put them side by side, they live exactly the same way and you can't tell one from the other. But we need to be different, not religious. That someone has to see that your life is different. That, you know, you don't do the gossip in the staff room. You're different. You don't have the dodgy deals behind closed doors when they offer you. No, because you're different. Because God has done something in your heart that you are now being a witness for Jesus to live a right way and a godly life. So the first thing is that Christ is formed in you and secondly, that Christ is developed through you. This is a ministry that God's given to you. He's given you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, natural and spiritual. And God has called every one of us that come to Jesus and he posits in you a gift and ability that you can serve, number one, the body of Christ, that you can build the church up, and secondly, on mission to the world, that you can continue with your gifts and ability to go and be a witness to the world. There are twofold. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, there shouldn't be any reason why you're not serving in the local church, because that's your ministry to the body. Every one of you is placed by God in the body with gifts given so you can share and encourage and build up the church for its mission when we leave together in our gatherings. Amen. That we can be the body of Christ when we're sick, when we're, when, we're, when we're feeling lonely, when we're going through hard times. The body can use their gifts and abilities and strength just like all the volunteers that we've used just for one service without all those parts of the body coming in Early in the morning, we could not do this service. But we need more people as more people come to our services, more people to serve, more people to help take the burden off a few so we can welcome the crowds that come online, in here, and when we leave to our world to be empowered for Jesus. So God has given us gifts and abilities, supernatural and natural. But you know, that's an amazing assignment, isn't it? that Jesus entrusts us to be ambassadors, that we were speaking the very words of God, blows my mind, I hope it blows yours, that God has invested his gifts and abilities in you, that he's given you access to know him for yourself, the curtain of the temple torn in two when Jesus rose from the dead and, and was crucified, access to God now open through Jesus, that not only you can know about him, but you can know him for yourself. And you know what? What a mission that is. But the truth is, in our own strength, we cannot fulfill it. In our own abilities, we can't fulfill it. To know God, to know him more, to give our lives in service for the body and the world, we can't do it with our own strength and our own ability. And so the Apostle Paul gives us the answer as I nearly come to a close today for our response. Ephesians gives us the answer to help us with the mission. Jesus said it when he commissioned them. And he said, and I will be with you. That's the first clue. And the Apostle Paul says, and there's incomparably great power for those who believe. Is great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. May I suggest to you today here and online, you can't know God without the Spirit of God. You can't be like God without the Spirit of God. 
You can't serve God without the Spirit of God. You need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power, dunamis, dynamite, that will blow you out of your crowd so you can do things that you can never do in your own willpower. It's got to be by his power with our willingness to say yes to God. That's the condition. He's commissioned us. He's given us an assignment, but he's not given us an assignment without his aid of his Holy Spirit that's here on earth, in us and through us and empowers us not only for service, but to live like him and do everything that we cannot do in our own strength. As I come to close, the good news is this, that this power is available for those that says yes to Jesus. That's the only condition that the power is available. The Holy Spirit is available to those who have given their life to Jesus. And maybe you've never experienced the power of God or the presence of God. Maybe you're struggling in your old nature, trying to do things in your own strength. Maybe you're struggling to share your faith. Maybe you're struggling just to do this church Christian stuff. Well, I want to say to you that God has given you help through the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and, the, and how do we receive him? Because the Holy Spirit's not a hit, an it or a, fur, a force. He is a person. He's the third member of the Godhead. And he's been given to us by Jesus to help us with the mission to fulfill his command on earth. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses wherever you go. How did they receive it? All he had to do was wait on God. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to be hungry for my presence. I want you to be in a position where you need him to help you get out of the upper room. I want you to be of a heart to say, we can't leave this place without we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They had the Bible studies. They had the leadership lessons. They had the prayer meetings. They had the worship meetings, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It was only when the Holy Spirit fell as when they left the building to reach the multitudes. And as you read through the book of Acts, it says that some people that the apostle Peter went to who believed in Jesus, never heard about the Holy Spirit. And so he said he laid his hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's another way where you can receive the Holy Spirit and we're going to give you opportunity today for that. But there's another way as well which is really encouraging. As you read through the book of Acts, as Peter was preaching the Word, he said the Holy Spirit fell on them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. So that means even though we can't get our hands on you online, as we're talking, the Holy Spirit can fill your heart right now in that room where you are. If you are at the furthest top in this building and you say, I can't make it down because of mobility, I want to say to you, if your heart is hungry, if you want to ask Him, I want to tell you the Holy Spirit can fill you afresh and He can help you live the life that you can't live in your own strength. So I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today, the condition, the condition of you receiving the Holy Spirit. There is a couple of conditions. Number one, you've got to be a Christian. 
If you're not, you can be a Christian. You can be filled with the Spirit all at the same time. There is no stages. It can be an all-in-one encounter. But he said, you know, I'll give my life to Jesus, but there's something that I just need extra. Then you need to, the condition is that you've got to ask God. So how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? I want to ask you, you are hungry for God today? Are you hungry for more of God in your life? Or are you happy where you are, really? Are you happy maintaining the religion? Or but it's something in your heart saying, there's got to be more to this Christian stuff than just coming to listening to Pastor Jason or Pastor Linda. There's got to be more to my life than just going to church. I am the church. And God has an assignment on my life. And I'm hungry for his presence. I'm hungry for an encounter with God. First condition, you've got to be willing to ask him this morning from your heart, just as you asked him into your life and give your life to him. God, I want more of your presence. I want to know you more. I want to live this life more like you, be more like you. But I need your presence. I need the helper, the Holy Spirit. I need his power. I need his enabling. First condition, you've got to ask. Why don't you stand up with me? Everyone in this room, everyone online, first condition, you've got to be hungry and ask him. Number two, are you ready for it? There's only two stages. And then I'm going to call for a response. I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit is going to touch you today. The second thing is required is that you have to be willing to leave the crowd. And there are many crowds in the New Testament. But if you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to make a decision this morning and online. And those that watch this through the week, that you're going to have to make a decision. Am I willing to leave the crowd to follow Jesus? See, there are different crowds. There's a crowd that is a people-pleasing crowd. And some of you are limited of saying yes to more of God because you just like pleasing the crowd in your life. Blind Bartimaeus shouted out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd started shouting. I'm saying, shh, quiet. You're shouting too loud. He made the decision. I'm not going to be a people pleaser anymore. I'm not going to keep my voice down. And the Bible says he shouted even louder. I want to ask you, who has quietened your walk? Who has suffocated your passion? Because you wanted to please people. And you have to leave that crowd if you're going to follow Jesus. The second crowd is a crowd of complacency. The woman 
There was an issue of blood for 18 years. So when you heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Jesus was surrounded by a crowd, but only one woman touched him. Why was that? Because the rest of the people around Jesus was complacent. Only one woman was willing to press through the crowd and be serious about Jesus. Only I can touch him. When he, she touched him, Jesus stopped. He turned and he said, Who has touched me? For power has left me. You willing to leave the crowd of complacency, mediocre, half-heartedness, or are you going to be determined, no God, I'm going to push through the crowd. If you don't touch me, I can't leave this morning without you touch me. Another crowd is a crowd of troublemakers. In the hour Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me. Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you came to arrest me. You see, some of you have got to make a decision to get away of the crowd of troublemakers because bad company corrupts good character. And that crowd that you're hanging around with will ruin your future in Jesus. All the crowds that cause you trouble, get you in trouble, in prison, out of prison, in debt, out of debt. Jesus said this morning, it's time to make up your mind and be removed from that crowd so you can fulfill my purpose in your life. And finally, say amen with me. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus but because he was short, he couldn't see him because of the crowd. Come on. What crowd is it in your life that stops you seeing Jesus? Lift your hands with me. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a general prayer like Peter. And as I pray for you online, the Holy Spirit is going to visit your heart and your house. For those in this room that you just somehow have mobility, you can't make it to the front and you really want Jesus to touch your life afresh, I'm going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will just come upon you. And while I do that, while I make that prayer, there are some in this room that you know that you need to symbolically leave where you are in your seats and come to the front and you're saying to Jesus, I am leaving the crowd because I want to follow you and then we can lay hands upon you at the front. While I pray for you online and those in the room, as I begin to do that in a minute, I want those of you that you know, you have to come and make that step of faith. You know you have to leave your seat and come to the front. Saying to God, my watch right now is that every step is saying to you, I'm leaving the crowd that stops me from seeing you. And if that's you, while well, I pray a prayer for online, then I want you to start coming down because as soon as that happens, our online service 
will be closed while we can minister to those in the room. So are we all clear what needs to happen? Let me just say this to some of you. Please don't allow the fear of people to stop you leaving your seat. Because that's the crowd that you need to leave. Okay, we ready? As I start to pray for those online and those that with the mobility can't make it to the front, we're believing the Holy Spirit will touch you. But some of you know in this room, you know in your heart, you have got the ability and mobility and you know you need to make it to the altar. So I'm going to pray at the count of one. And I want all of you who you know you need to be down here to start making your way down. And then we will minister and the meeting will be closed. Lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. For those of you that you need to be down here, start making your way now. Those in the front here, you know you need a touch of God. In the balcony, you need to start coming as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Father, I pray for everyone online right now who is not in this building that's unable to walk to the altar. But Lord, they are able to stand in their home. They're able to stand at their workplace. They're able to stand and make an altar in front of the TV and say, God, you've spoken to my life and I want more of your presence. I don't want to be a part of the crowd. I want to be a disciple, totally 100% committed to your cause. But I need your presence and I need your power to fill me afresh. So Father, online and in this room, those that can't physically make it down here, Father, I ask you right now, by the words of our mouths, as we speak your word, that the Holy Spirit will fill lives right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill your people afresh. Father, baptise them with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, they begin to speak in new tongues. I pray boldness, Lord, will manifest their lives. Lord, I pray for a manifestation of, Lord, of a revival spirit in their hearts. I pray for hurt, Lord, to leave them. Lord, disappointment to go from their lives. Lord, let fresh vision and purpose come over them. Holy Spirit, would you fill them right now? Lord, will your presence touch them? Will they have an encounter with a living God? So, Father, we pray for those online. We say, God bless you. God bless you. And as we close online, you can still pursue the Lord where you are. And I thank you for what God's going to do in your life today. From this moment, in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you do amazing work in their lives. And all God's people said, come on, let's thank those online. God bless you and see you next week.